Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. I've been wrestling with purpose. What was I created for? I'm more than what you see on the surface. See beneath my skin and scars. I'm skinned and scarred. Marred and twisted. Scarred by the past I need to be lifted. And sometimes I question my own existence. What was I put here for? In my seams, it seems that there seems to be more. It's like I'm a light, unplugged from the socket. I mean, do I really exist to put money in my pocket? This nine to five feels like a nine to nine. My mind entwined, I pass the time. Life circles me as I wait. What is my estate? I feel like I was made for something great, and yet I can't quite put my finger on it. But when I look at my fingers and I see their design, I realize I'm one of a kind. And something created me. No, someone created me. And that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling, that even in the midst of my falling, there was someone who died to pick me up. Someone who rose to fix me up. Someone who's coming back to lift me up. And that someone is Jesus. See, God made me for a purpose. And when I delight in him, it's brought to the surface. God created you for a purpose. When you see a video like that, what's your gut response? For some of you, it's probably passion, it's probably excitement. Yeah, you, you're, you're there, you go, I, I know I've got a purpose and God's got a purpose. And I, but I've had enough conversations with many of you to know that probably some of you here today, when you see a video like that on purpose, it does, it's not motivational. It actually provokes frustration. It provokes confusion. For a few of you, maybe even a little bit of disdain. Because you've struggled to understand what God's purpose is for your life. And frankly, you just aren't sure. You're not sure. And we want to have a life of purpose, don't we? All of us want that. We believe God has given us and created us for a good purpose. And we put pressure on ourselves to try to find that, to try to understand that, to try to live it. And, and we go through all sorts of things in life to motivate ourselves, try to get us to stay focused and, and, and fulfill some sort of a purpose. And, and sometimes it goes to a weird place, a little bit like what I ran into a little, month, a little over a month ago. I went to this website called myticker.com. Anybody ever been there? No? You have to go check it out. You get to go to this site and you get to buy a watch. And along with the watch comes a questionnaire that you fill out and you tell in this questionnaire all these things about your life, you know, your age, your, your background, your health history, your habits, and all that kind of stuff. And it predicts when you're going to die down to the second. And then you plug that into your watch and you wear it around with a constant countdown on your wrist to the day and the second you're going to die. 
Isn't that great? It's got a great tagline. Get the ticker death watch today and start living your life. <laughs> that's, a, that's a slogan, right? They actually have a new smart version of the watch. It's called the Ticker Life FX. And it tracks your activity. You're eating, you're sleeping, and your, your activity habits. And it tracks other things. And you put in this information, and, and it calculates automatically in your watch how it affects your lifespan, life expectancy. So for those of you who got that extra shot of caffeine or whatever and sugar in your coffee this morning, you just took 38 seconds off. For those of you that woke up this morning and you decided you wanted the chocolate chip waffles with brown, with, with powdered sugar and syrup on top of it, you took a minute and 30, 38 seconds off your lifespan. And for the one or two of you here that I saw walk in with a red face after you've eaten the, the totally good, lean, organic, non-GMO breakfast after running 25 miles this morning before church, you just added three minutes, Okay. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we could manipulate the time of our death? I mean, this, this is a great idea. I don't want to die on a Wednesday or a Thursday. I don't want to die on uh, one of my relatives, my, you know, my family's birthdays. I don't want to die at Christmas or New Year or another good holiday. So, you know, I just got to look at my watch and say it's going to have me die on a Wednesday. I need to adjust that by 24 hours so I can either choose to eat really well and add some time, or I can choose to eat really bad and do some really bad habits, right? I can manipulate. It's just perfect. It's a great idea, isn't it? You can control that. Of course, in our world where we have this insane need to put product stickers on that say amazing things for liability, the ticker watch comes with a disclaimer, and it's this. The ticker death watch is for entertainment purposes only. (coughs) Does that not strike you weird? Enter, really, entertainment purposes, death is now, enter, my death and the time of my death is now entertainment. And it's not intended as a medical device or instrument to predict when you die. Really? I need to be told that? I like motivational things. I'm not sure this watch is quite made for me to motivate me. But we also go and we try to discover purpose. We also go through things of like trying to figure out what we really want to do and how we set goals to keep us on track to do that, right? So we take tests and we wrestle with questions about our gifts and our talents and our best career fit. And then we spend time trying to figure out our passions and then we try to distill that to a statement. Then we set goals to try to reach that, right? We define this big picture of life's purpose and how we're going to get there. And I've been through many uh, multiple versions of this myself. I've led uh, people through, dozens of people through multiple versions of this. And and there's really good stuff that comes out of this. I'm I'm not... I'm not saying don't do this. There's really, it's really good to understand yourself. It's really good to set goals. It's really good to wrestle with the questions of that. But I've got to admit, the majority of people that I know who've gone through this program, three, five, ten years down the line, look back on that experience with some frustration, maybe even some disillusionment. Because they couldn't control all of life, because life turned out different than their goals, because maybe they changed and they don't want to be that anymore. So they start questioning, what's the use of doing all that work back there, trying to discover our purpose? And these programs, they, they, they encourage us to dream big and shoot for the moon. And more often than that, we shoot for the moon and, and we make it to the top of the hill and sometimes to the top of the mountain. And even though we made it to the top of the mountain, should be celebrating we're actually frustrated asking the, asking the question, is this all there is to life? Because one guy made it to the moon and we're comparing ourselves to them and not feeling inferior and unpurposeful, right? 
For some of us, the very thought of dreaming big is, it just feels pompous and unrealistic, and we don't want to do it. I mean, we say things like, I'm a teacher, I'm a stay-at-home parent, I'm a loan officer, I'm a, I'm a computer tech, I'm a manager. My life is full of busyness. Uh, the same type of thing day after day. And I, 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 the discussion of purpose frustrates me because I go to work 40 to 60 hours a week. I come home, I do the family thing. And by the time I'm done with all that, what time is there left for me to dream of a God-sized dream and a purpose for my life? Because every one of these things asks us to dream a God-sized dream that's a whole lot bigger than us. And it leaves us a little bit frustrated, confused. And yet we all know instinctively there's this drive within all of us that we know we are created by God for a good purpose in life. Even the famous atheist Bertrand Russell says it this way. He says, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. In other words, what he's saying is that if there is no God, go ahead and do what you want. But if there is a God, then this question of purpose is an extremely weighty, important question that we have to wrestle with in life. And we feel that weight, don't we, all too often when we think of discovering His purpose. If you're in the room today and you're not sure yet about following God, you don't know about Jesus, you're not really 100% sure about that, communi- that commitment I want to, I'm assuming you're here because you're at least curious as to whether Jesus is God. And you're probably also curious as to whether God has a purpose for you. So I want to invite you as we go through the rest of this message to join me in just, in just for a moment today believing that Jesus is really God, He's really real, and what that might mean for you as far as good purpose and living your life. Would you join me before we go further? We're just going to pray a blessing over us as we explore this difficult topic. Lord, we ask that you would come right now and that you would indeed surround each one of us with your presence, that you would speak to us, that you would bring to our thoughts and our feelings that we need to think and feel right now so that you can do your good work in us. And Lord, I pray particularly today that that good work would include relieving the frustration taking away some of the confusion that we feel and allow us to re-engage and to be re-energized with the sense that you really do have a good purpose for each and every one of us and that you want us to walk in it and that we can enjoy the thought of you leading us in that. So, Lord, would you come and do that for us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the way we're going to talk about this the rest of the day, I've actually talked about uh, in the past through like just an illustration in one point or a story in one point in the past. And for years, I've wanted to do a a whole message on this. And I'm going to give a little credit because about a month or so ago, I heard a guy named Josh King from Grandeur Church do exactly what I was wanting to do uh, in terms of this message. And so I'm borrowing uh, his outline and ideas to how to approach this today and wanted to give him credit. The Bible speaks profoundly to us about purpose. Uh, Proverbs 29.18 says it this way, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. And that word vision actually carries this idea of this prophetic godly, godly direction, this, this sense of purpose that God gives us for our life. And that word unrestrained is this interesting kind of picture word that the Hebrew language often has where it really is this no restraints, there's no guardrails for life. It's, it's, it's this sense of falling apart, of fragmenting, of, of becoming discouraged and, and, and death. 
And therefore, the King James Version actually translates it this way, saying, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where we have no sense of divine purpose, people perish. We have no destination or purpose in life. It is not good. Bad things happen for us when that's going on. And the only thing as bad as that, or maybe worse than that, is having, uh, uh, to having no destination is, is to having the wrong one in life. You go through life and you end up at the North Pole when you were shooting for Hawaii. I mean, who wants that? You, you, know, you brought your swimsuit and you're at 30 below, right? Nobody wants that in life. And the problem with most purpose discovery pro- programs that we go through is twofold. They all start with such a big question. What is my ultimate purpose in life? And frankly, for many of us, we can't think 5, 10, 20, 50 years out to a question that that, that's that big because we all know in our own minds that, that trying to answer that question is going to be a little bit like a kid trying to figure out what they're going to do when they grow up. A kid will say, yeah, I want to be a firefighter, but when they grow up, they want to actually decide they want to be a teacher. And so we know that trying to answer that big of a question and come up with that, some people refer to it as that 30-second eulogy for your life. What's your life going to mean in 30 seconds? That, that's so hard for us to know and for us to define. But these big purpose questions in our life oftentimes force us to set a goal. We feel the pressure to set a goal and a destination. And then we get to that destination, we realize this is not really what I wanted. This is not where I want to be in life. The second problem with a lot of those programs is this. We start with the wrong questions. The questions we often start when we're trying to figure out our purposes are, are things like, what are my passions? What are my gifts? What are my abilities? What, what do I think will make me happy and fulfilled in life? What, what do I want to do in life? And, and those are not bad questions. They're good questions to think about and assess, to discover how God uniquely wired us and, and understand you know, what drives us and motivates us. But But if the GPS for your life's purpose starts with imperfect, broken you, then you'll always be frustrated by an imperfect, broken GPS that doesn't always know where you need to be in life and where you want to be in life. Colossians 1 actually gives us a different starting place, and it says this. It's the message paraphrase. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible or invisible, Everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. You see, we are created by God for a good purpose. And until we understand how God created us to live and the purpose He created us for, we'll never find a sense of lasting meaning and satisfaction in that aspect of our life. And when we start asking all the questions, what's my purpose, we're starting in the wrong place. We need to start with what are God's intentions and His purpose for creating humanity, for creating me, for putting me and us on this earth. There's a friend of mine, Russ, that I got to know the last number of years I was, uh, when I was on the West Coast before coming here eight years ago. He was, he was a driven, intelligent, successful person. He was, a, he was actually a starting pitcher all four years when USC won the College World Series four years in a row in the 1970s. And he went, on, he went to college. He, he jumped on the corporate treadmill and started running, and he ran really fast. He ran all the way to managing partner of a big eight accounting firm in the L.A. office. And then one day after years on the treadmill, he woke up, Asking the question, is this all there is? Or is there more? There's got to be more. 
And he began this discovery that we're going to be talking about today of a new way to live in God's purpose. You see, if you've been there where Russ was, if you feel empty, if you feel like maybe you've been headed in the wrong direction, if you've been asking the question, is there more? Yes, there is more. The Bible talks about there being more all throughout the entire Bible. We we already heard it, uh, you know, uh, uh, I always love it when somebody else is speaking and they grab one of the scripture verses you're planning on, but at least it was only one, Steve, today. So Jeremiah 29, we read it earlier. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. That's great. It's It's not the worst time. A few years ago, I asked our missionary in Russia who actually emailed me this morning praying, asking me to pray for him because it's been a great year. They've been reaching a whole lot of students in their international ministry. So continue to pray for Todd Rose. He came and preached, and I was supposed to preach the next Sunday, and he used all three scriptures that I was going to use for his text. And they were from different parts of the Bible. So, hey, you're only one-third of the way to hearing exactly what God wanted to say today, Steve. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God desires you walk in these hopeful plans, in the future that he has for you more than you desire it. Jesus says to us in John 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, that, that sense of full abundance, full purpose, full meaning. And that's what Jesus says he wants for your life. But some of you are saying, that's great. I've heard those verses before. But what on earth is God's plan? I have no idea what it is. And that's the source of your frustration. So you think if his plan is for me to fulfill his purpose for my life, then what on earth is God's specific will for me? And again, that question continues to feel like it's just out of reach for you. God's specific purpose and a specific plan. How many of you would say, if God would be willing to download some information to me about my specific plan and my specific purpose, that would just take so much stress out of life for me. Anybody here? And I'd be willing to take five minutes just sitting with God if he did that, right? Hopefully you're going to get a little bit of that from his spirit as we talk through this today. Trying to figure out the question of what God's specific will for my life is can be so complex and frustrating. It can actually feel a lot like, well... I know this is kind of silly, but trying to repaint your house and update your wall colors. How many of you have ever done that? You go to Home Depot, you grab one of these, you come home, you go, do I want blue? Do I want green? No, you decide I'm going to try to get good sale for it, so I'm going to go with a taupey brown. And then you go, do I want moleskin? Now it reminds me of pain, so no. Maybe the earth nut, or maybe the creamy mushroom, or maybe the shiitake, or maybe... Somebody's trying to be too cute with this brown color. I fell for you. Kind of trying to do Eiffel Tower, but I fell for you. It's just, you know, people name these things really weird. Or or maybe this is really what you want. You want shoreline haze because you want your house to feel like smog. Right? But, you know, you do that and you go to the the store and you come home with the, you, you get a sample. Right? You get one of the little sample jars. You come home, you paint a six-foot square on your wall, and you go, ah, it's not right. Lighting's different. It doesn't work. So you go back to Home Depot. You get another sample can. You come home. You do the same thing over again. You do that again and again and again. And pretty soon, the guy at Home Depot is really getting to know you well because you're there like every day. They're getting to know your whole story. 
of life because you've been there so much. Last time we sold a home and moved, we, we went through that. And I swear we spent more money on paint samples than we did on the actual paint we used to paint the house. But I really do miss Bob at Home Depot. <laughs> we really bonded. He consoled me through that time. We say, I just want to follow Jesus. But it seems so complex and so confusing sometimes, trying to figure out his will and purpose. There are so many things that the Bible doesn't speak directly to, right? It doesn't tell you the name of the person you are to marry because, at least for me, it couldn't because Wendy's name didn't come around until Peter Pan, right? So it wasn't even back from Bible times. The Bible doesn't tell me what job I should do and when I should switch jobs and a host of other questions that dramatically affect my purpose in life and His will for my life. I mean, it's that whole question, which color fits my life, my home, my purpose? Which choice is His will? And it's so frustrating. I can't do God's purpose if I don't know His will. So allow me to spend time today with, we're going to do, put three circles on the screen and I'm going to kind of make a simple diagram today that I think can help each one of us move past that confusion and that pressure to a place where we can engage with a sense of refreshing hope today in your purpose. These three spheres are really ways of encompassing God's purpose for us and to understand, to understand his overall purpose. And the first one is simply this, the, the works of God. And what we're talking about there is this big picture sense of God's sovereign will. It's the things that God says, I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. It's just going to happen, right? Like at creation, he spoke, he wanted light, he spoke it, there was light. He wanted animals, he spoke it, there were animals. It's a little bit like uh, the call to Abraham, he says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and through your son you, there will be many descendants, as many as the sand on the seashore, and, and I'll make you in a great nation to bless the entire earth. And, and, and you know, Abraham's looking at that going, you know, I'm, I'm really old and I still don't have a son and, and things don't work like they used to do. And Sarah here, hears that promise and goes, you know, my, really I'm going to actually have a, a baby when I haven't been able to you know, carry a baby for years. I'm way too old and laughs hysterically at it and a miracle happens and they have a son, right? It's the same thing with the birth of Jesus. Centuries and centuries, 600 to 1400 years before the prophets declare Jesus is coming, God is coming from his throne in heaven to come to earth in the most unlikely of places in the most unlikely of circumstances that you couldn't manipulate to happen and it happens, Right? The same thing about Jesus' death and resurrection. God prophesied this plan to rescue all of humanity from sin so that even though you and my sin against God of rejecting Him and rebelling and makes us worthy of death in relation to God, Jesus will die on a cross to take that sin for us and rise again so that we can actually have hope and have life. And against all statistical odds from the many detailed ways that God said this would happen, it all comes to pass because God spoke it. His works, His sovereign will, is one way His purpose in this earth is done. The next way is, let's call it the ways of God. This is, this is like the, the God's moral law. It's the, it's, the, it's the how to live life really well. The way God created us to live and relate to Him, to one another, to creation, to ourselves in a good and healthy way. 
But the Ten Commandments is an example of this. And, and Jesus taking the Ten Commandments essentially in his Sermon on the Mount and extending that where he says, not only should you not kill, but, but, but if you hate, you are as bad as a murderer. Because Jesus is saying to us, I don't want you just to be free of the action of sin. I want your heart the drive in your heart that drives you to sin. I want you to have freedom and healing there as well, to live a holy and pure and selfless and grateful and generous and forgiving and radically loving lives, the ways of God. And then there is the mysteriously frustrating part of the purpose of God in our lives. It is this specific personal will of God for us. This is that sense of personal guidance in our life. This is where we start to ask ourselves questions to try to figure this out. We typically ask what, when, and where questions of ourselves. We ask, what do I do? And that comes in different forms. We go, what difference am I gifted to make in life? That, that big picture question we talked about earlier, that ultimate broad picture impact in my life. We ask ourselves a little bit more specifically, what job do I take? And more trying to figure out this specific walking out of God's purpose and how do I stay on track and live out my purpose? And we get even more specific than that a lot of times. What do I do about the conflict between my boss and his boss? Do I live and let live? Do I get involved? In what way do I get involved? Because if I get involved, this could impact my future purpose, right? I may mess it up and not get promoted, or it could, in fact, it could impact that, right? So we start asking ourselves questions. And, and we ask questions about what do I give to God of time and money and service? What, what's required? What does he want me to give? In what, way, in what ways does God want me to use my money for his purpose in life, right? And then we start asking ourselves one question about purpose. When do I make the move? When do I sell myself? Oh, sell myself. Sell my house. When do I ask her to marry me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> when do I change jobs, right? We ask ourselves where questions. Where do I move? Where do I live? Where do I send my kids to school? All of these questions can drive us crazy and frustra- frustrate us because we start to think, What if I get one of them wrong? How does that impact and do long-term damage to my purpose and God's purpose for my life and my fulfillment and my happiness in life? So let's think about that by way of example. How many of you at one point in your life asked the question, what if I don't marry the one? Right? Has anyone ever taught you or have you ever believed that there is one right person in the world that God has for you to marry? Some of you, because of holding that belief in your life, you've actually asked your question. You've actually questioned whether you married the right one, right? Can we talk about that belief as it relates to God's will for a second? If there's one person you were to marry, and that person was supposed to be Anne and you married Chris, then who's Anne going to marry? The wrong one, right? And whoever marries Anne is marrying the wrong one because you married the wrong one, leaving the one they were going to marry, also marrying the wrong one. So the dominoes continue to fall in all the wrong direction. And all because you made one wrong decision, you've upset the entire balance of God's romantic will for the entire universe. Think about it. That's a lot of weight to carry in life, isn't it? You better get it right 
Or you're going to be to blame for thousands of wrong matches and the misery of this world in many people, not just yours, for making the wrong choice. See, when we think of God's will that way, it can be such a weighty decision. Do I teach third grade or fifth grade? If I choose wrong, then somebody's also going to be in the wrong slot. And that, you know, that, that just doesn't work. What if, when we ask those questions about God's specific will and purpose, God's automatic response to us to many of those questions is, I don't care. Really? So God, if I ask you, should I eat steak and asparagus or chicken and and broccoli for dinner, your answer is, I don't care? See, when we talk about it that way, it sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? But a lot of people get imprisoned in their perspective of how we think about God's specific will and purpose for our life. Living in God's specific will and purpose is the best place for us to live. But maybe we need to think a little differently about how we discover and walk in God's will. I mean, certainly there are times that God's will is extremely specific. There's lots of times. I mean, we see it in, in the Bible in one of the more funny places is in Jonah. I mean, God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah goes, what's plan B? And God says, well, plan A is you can go in a boat. Plan B is you can go in the belly of a fish, but you're going, right? It's very, very specific. Other times, many maybe times, maybe even most times, it's different than I think we've been taught. God's answer, I think, a lot of times is, I don't care which you choose. And yet there is within that something God does care greatly about that does drastically affect our discovery of walking in God's purpose and God's will. Something that can change our focus and actually relieve some of the pressure we feel about trying to figure everything out. Later in Colossians 3, Paul says this. He says, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, in summing up this idea that Christ is the center of everything, he's the purpose of everything, he holds everything together, Paul says, whatever you do. What if the vast majority of God's will is whatever? What if we have been spending too much time and energy focused on the particulars of God's will? What if God is saying it's not so much about the particulars, but that you would learn to walk in my ways? And when you learn to walk in those ways, I will lead you into my will, just like this diagram is going to show us coming up on the screen. It's not so much this view, but our focal point to discovering God's will is actually more of his ways. What if our primary focus in discovering God's will and walking in God's will is in the wrong order in our perspective and therefore creating all the pressure? What if God isn't as concerned about the particulars, but he's more concerned about how you are living in the whatever you are doing? See, God might be saying, I don't really care that much about what college you go to or what job you take or what neighborhood you live in, but I care very much about how you live when you are there and how you behave in getting there. It's not as much about showing up at the right work every day 
as it is about showing, uh, as, as about the why you show up to work every day. It's about who you are becoming and not as much the particulars of what you do. But that still leads us yet to another question. What if God's ways are not clear to me? Right? Well, if God's ways are not clear to me, then I've got a homework assignment for you. That will make 85% or more of everything about God's ways become crystal clear to you without any help from anybody else. Go home and read the Bible. Go home and read the Bible. The Bible says do not steal every time. No matter how much you want it, no matter how precious it is, or no matter even if it's of very little value, don't steal ever. The Bible says don't gossip or slander others. Don't, don't deal in innuendo in life. Don't, don't go around saying, well, he must have been doing this or she is probably doing this. Even if you know someone has done something wrong, don't spread that news about them. Treat others as you would want to be treated, right? By giving the same kind of gracious relationship and support and restraint in your words and your judgment that you would want if you were in their shoes. That's something God says we always do. The Bible says be faithful in all of your relationships down to the littlest thing, what you watch, what you talk about, what you think about, and what you do. The vast majority of God's ways are crystal clear and in reality quite simple. But clear and simple doesn't mean it's easy to live out. I mean, the Bible says put others' needs above your own, but that's, that's simple. But that's certainly pretty hard to walk out in a lot of situations, isn't it? See, we're always pressing, we're always stressing, trying to find out what God's specific purpose and will is for us. We want Him to reveal that specific will to us, the goals, the specific things we're to do in work and ministry and life and community involvement. And yet we know from Scripture that God also says this in Ephesians 2.10. He says He's prepared good works for us in advance to do. He knows them. He's planned them. We get all stressed out about figuring out those things so that we cannot miss them, right? That's our fear in life is that we're going to miss these things. What if God is saying, I'm more concerned about you living in the revealed ways of my will, which are explicit, and trust me, I'll take care of the rest for you as it comes along, as you need it. I mean, I've heard it explained like this. What if your very young daughter, granddaughter, niece, or or just a friend of yours, came to you and said, where do we live? And you answered, Ohio. And they came back to you and said, no, I live in Westerville. Sounds like something a kid would do. See, but as adults, we know if you're in Westerville, you're in Ohio. And what I'm trying to help us see is if you know you're in God's ways, then you also know you're in his will. It's a simple as that. And here is another really freeing part that's found in one of my top ten favorite verses in all of Scripture. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, not some, not just a few, 
not just my church life, not just my moral life. In all your ways, submit to Him. If you're submitting all of your ways to Him, that means you're choosing to live in His ways, right? What's the promise? And He will make your paths straight. He will direct your paths. He will lead you to His will, to His good purpose for your life that He's already planned in advance for you to do. You see, this is your part. And that's God's part. Your part and God's part. Your part, walk in His ways. God's part, lead you into the good works that He has. What? Already prepared in advance for you to do. He wants you to be there because he's already ahead of time prepared them for you, submitting all your ways to him, submitting your marriage to him. Regardless of what's going on in your relationship, seek to walk in his ways toward your spouse or the person you're dating. To submit all of your work, everything you do, do it according to whose ways? His ways. Submit the handling of your finances according to whose ways? His ways, right? Submit your words, your language, your jokes to whose ways? To the culture's ways? To the, to cool, to the cool sitcoms and comedians' ways? To the successful politicians' ways? To whose ways? To God's ways. Submit your entertainment to whose ways? To His ways. And when you do, you will for sure walk into the specific will of God for your life in a secure way because God wants you there more than you want to be there. He's got it planned ahead of time. He wants your life to be rich with meaning and impact and purpose. So allow me to give you three takeaways that you can walk away with today from this that will help you move past all the pressure and help you live simply and freely in your purpose today. First one is this. Discovering God's will and purpose is present more than future. It's how I'm living right now more than when and where and what I will do. We can spend tons of energy focusing on our future. But the text said, remember, in whatever you do. Not in whatever you think you might do, not in whatever you want to do, not in whatever you plan or hope to do, no right now. It's present tense. Whatever you do now, not in the future, not tomorrow, not next week, now, walk in God's ways. See, until you live according to God's ways, you will never fully discover and walk into God's good will and purpose for you. You might be working somewhere right now that you just can't, you just hate. It's a miserable situation to you right now. And therefore, you find yourself struggling. You find yourself doing a half-hearted job at your work a lot of times. But God's ways are whatever you do in work, you work as though he's your boss, not your boss or not your company. You work as though you're working for him. That's what Scripture teaches us. So we work hard. We give grace. We love even our enemies, just like Jesus did, because those are God's ways. It's not about waiting and hoping that one day God will do some big things through me. No, it's right now. Now is His purpose. 
Now is his will for you. Practice doing his ways now in everything, and your future will take care of itself in an amazingly beautiful way. Second takeaway. God's will prioritizes motive before action. Where's your heart? That's see, that, that's the intent of Jesus' teaching on the Ten Commandments in his in his Sermon on the Mount. He, he's getting at the heart of things. There's a there's a story that's told of Billy Graham and his wife Ruth from many many years ago. Uh, many of you may know Billy Graham was a famous evangelist, a spiritual advisor to most every president for the last 50 years, and he, he's really old right now. But back in the 60s and 70s, he was he was really big. So many many years ago, he was attending a church service. wasn't preaching there. He was just attending with his wife and and um, and an offering plate passed at the end of the service, and he goes, oh, I remember I got a $5 bill in my pocket. So he reaches in his pocket, pulls it out, and drops it in the offering plate. And as he drops it, he realizes it wasn't a 5 it was a 50 Lunch money. After the service, he looked at Ruth and with a smile said to her, I guess I'll get rewarded for that extra generosity in heaven. And Ruth's response was, yes, you'll get rewarded for the desire of your heart, which was 5 bucks." See, it's our motive that's really important. If we get the why right, God can take care of the what. Third takeaway, God's will is about loving people more than specific accomplishments. I used to think that his will was all about big accomplishments in life. It was about, I'm going to build a multi-million dollar business and give millions of dollars away to God. I'm going to build this great organization. I'm going to build a big church. I'm going to plant dozens of churches or hundreds of churches. But God says the way we do his will, in fact, the way we even find out what his will is, is to live according to his ways. And Jesus showed us what that's all about. It's all about loving the people we encounter each and every day. It's the reason Jesus can make such a tremendous impact, and he started it with so few disciples. See, the moment we submit everything to him, whatever you do to love the people you encounter each moment becomes his purpose and his will for you in that moment. Now, let me give one last word of encouragement, because there's probably some of you who are here who think, I'm so messed up. I am so far away from God's will. I am, so fu- I am so trapped, so far off course that I don't even know what to do. Let me show you another verse that relates to this. Romans 8, 28. And we know in all things, pretty comprehensive language there again, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things That includes things that you've done in God's will in your life. That includes things that you've done outside of God's will. That includes the good things that you've done. That includes the wrong, horrible things you've done. In all those things, God is still capable, he says, of taking those and working in them for those who love him, for those who have submitted to him, asking him, to help them make his ways your ways, right? God is saying, I will take all things, work them together into something good. If you are willing to submit to my ways, that's my will from you, and that's my purpose for you. And no matter what you've done, any time in your life, you can jump right back into his ways in an instance. Jump right back into the center of his purpose for you.
no matter how much you've messed up. So the question is, are we willing to submit to his ways? And when we do, he guarantees he will take us into his specific will and purpose for our lives in a beautiful, good, powerful, sometimes tough, but beautiful, fulfilling way. Our invitation today is, is simply this. I hope that this perspective, changing this center point of focus for you about purpose, relieves a ton of pressure and confusion for you. And second, for those of you here who have not chosen to follow Jesus, I want to invite you right now to respond to Jesus, to submit to him. See, salvation is not you working hard to do all of his ways right now and, and just get yourself good enough, be all the moral person that you need to be to get yourself good enough. No, it is all about submitting to him and his ways. It's submitting to a person and his ways. Asking him to forgive you for the ways you have not submitted to him in the past and rebelled against him and caused harm. And then to ask him to come in and help you make his ways your ways in life. You can do that right now, today. You can do that in your own words at any time, just asking God to forgive you and asking him to become the one who you are submitted to so you can live according to his ways. For some of you, the simple call is this. Just let go of the frustration you've had around this. For some of you, that frustration has been, been there kind of constant. And just to rest in this focus, rest in this present focus that today is God's purpose for you. And you can just join him right there, right now. For some of you, you've been so frustrated with God in this that you've caused distance between you and God. You've pushed God away. You've tried to take back control and you've, you, you, because you thought, heck, if I, if I can't figure this out, then I'm just going to live and let live and just forget God. And you pushed him away. And God wants to refresh you today in a sense of his love and his presence and his strength and his energy for your good purpose in your life today. And you can just come to him and say, God, I'm sorry for pushing you away. I'm sorry for getting so uptight about controlling this area of my life. Let me just come back into right relationship with you and focus on your ways and be refreshed. Lord, we just ask that your spirit would come now. And for each of us, regardless of where we're at, whether we're excited and we just need this focus to help us stay excited longer, because, Lord, if we don't have this focus, we're going to burn out with frustration at some point. Or if we've been away from you or never even chosen to follow you, Lord, for those here who have not ever made that choice to follow you, I pray that your spirit would come right now and that you would surround those individuals and that they would sense your kindness, your drawing, your love, your peace, your patience, your, your forgiveness that you want to give them, your goodness that you want to give them, and that there would just be an overwhelming sense of hope coming up because of your spirit working in their life now and help them to make that bold choice today to follow. For those of us here who have been discouraged in this, Lord, would you help us to give our discouragement to you and just come back into that place of loving you freely and trusting you and enjoying your presence, leading us into the good you have planned for us. Would you stand and continue to worship now? Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. 
For more information about Quest, who we are, and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. <laughs> 